Quick snap. Breeze. Passes incomplete. No flag. No flag. No flag. Whoa. For Tommy Lee Lewis. Talk to each other. Crowd's going crazy as there's no flag right on the Saints sideline. What? Well, if Nikel Roby Coleman plays the ball, it's an interception. Now with the outrage that has continued to grow over that blown call that may have cost the Saints a trip to the Super Bowl. There's no question that it was a highway robbery here. Uh, the reality of the situation is that he was mugged. It was clearly pass interference. Nobody's denying it. Just getting off the phone with the league office. You blew it! They blew the call. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Bird, Ray, Bird. He's very passionate. Bird, Ray, Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the unbeliever. everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. Broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. We're coming at you on the Elite Sports Radio Network. As always, I am joined by my colleague and co-host, none other than the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas. His name is Michael Legaris, everybody. What's up? And once again, everybody, we'll give a shout out to the man behind the glass. We're going to... Let him turn his mic on again this week. He didn't do that bad. We gave him a trial run last week. We got some feedback from the listeners. We had some focus groups do some listening. You got the thumbs up, Wookie. So go ahead. If you want to chime in this week, feel free. I will uh, do my best to keep up with these fellas. I appreciate the offer. Yeah, and you know, what you just heard there was a little bit of audio of one of the worst calls in the history of sports, Mike, especially considering the stakes involved with the Saints and the Rams. Oh my God, Mike! What I immediately felt inside of my stomach when I watched that call and watched them not get the call was, you see that happen to the Saints, you see teams complain, you see teams get upset, you saw all the Saints fans say, oh my God, this call, this happened, I can't believe this. But that's a lifetime of fandom for Jets fans. It's why our show is named Ain't Easy Being Green, Mike. I'm not saying... We've ever gotten that far and had a call go that way that was so black and white, but Jet fans can definitely relate. I could not believe that they got away with two different penalties by one person on the same play. Um, Hit him in the helmet, and and it was a pass interference. Unbelievable. I'm shaking my head. Sean Payton lost his mind. The city of New Orleans went completely bonkers. There's lawsuits going on, Mike, as you mentioned. You can get into that, which is so ridiculous. Mike, where do you fall on it? Did you lose your mind immediately, and what do you think about the call? I think it's crazy to watch and see how mainstream media has this call now reaching Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. Um, This call really has been all over the place. I mean, Representative Cedric Richmond uh, is talking about it, tweeting about it, eager to hear from the NFL commission directly about the Saints. I mean, this is crazy. Stephen Scalise, the House representative guy whip who got shot uh last year he's even talking about it i mean it's even it's it's crazy but you know when you look at what the call it's complete and utter them stealing the game from them i mean it was really 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 terrible not only not only was it pass interference but it was headhunting 
It was, it was how many? Yeah, no, it was two. It was actually two penalties, Mike. Neither of them were called. All the refs on the field, no one threw a flag. There was a referee literally three feet away. Uh, and obviously that call was the, you know, the thing everyone came away from the weekend shaking their head about. But I wanted to say, Mike, it also overshadowed some other bad calls that took place in the Patriot game. Tom Brady doesn't even get touched on his helmet. An arm swings in the vicinity of Tom Brady, and a flag comes out. 15 yards, personal foul, big-time penalty there. And a lot of other things happened in that game um, in both directions that were just completely mind-boggling. And Edelman muffs the ball. They show a replay. They rule it a, they rule it a fumble. They show a replay from all different angles. You can't really tell. What happened? They're zooming in on his fingers. You're like, I don't know, really know. Not really enough evidence to overturn it, but of course, yeah, it gets overturned. Mike, the referees. Not a good weekend for them. Was it, it wasn't a good weekend for the referees, but you know, I look at these home teams, Kansas City, New Orleans. Look, guys, you had the game in your house. Drew Brees, you had no Todd Gurley on the other side. A Rams to a Rams team that was Todd Gurley's. They didn't had no Todd Gurley, their best player. They had no business being in the game that's close. And Sean Payton not running the ball, knocking down the time, and making stupid play calls, throwing it. You know, you got. I, I understand you guys cheated, but you did it to yourselves, and you really have no excuse to being that close to a Rams team that didn't have its best player. And as far as the Chiefs are concerned, Andy Reid continues to get outcoached in big mo- in big games by Bill Belichick. It has happened for years. And you know what? I know that these refs made the calls that they did. We all know. I'm tired of talking about it with the Patriots. I'm tired. I'm just, I'm done with it. To me, let me talk to, tell all Patriot fans out there right now. Yo, your team is irrelevant to me, Mike Lagaris. Like, I don't care what everybody else says. Your team is will always be irrelevant. Why? Because you guys are cheaters and liars. And you've done this for over two decades. So I don't care if you win seven Super Bowls, eight Super Bowls, ten Super Bowls. You are cheaters and you are always going to be cheaters. You understand? So go ahead. Do what you got to do. You say you hate us because you ain't us and all that BS I hear. You're a bunch of cheaters. You've done it a million times. And you never, in my mind, you'll never get the benefit of the doubt. So for the fact that you won, you know what? One of my friends just tried to text me and say, oh, I guess the coin flip was rigged too. You know, who knows? Who, who knows? Why, why should I have any benefit of the doubt? You guys were pulling fire alarms in the, in the hotels that they were staying in. Stealing play sheets. Videotaping games. Deflating football. Oh my, 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 I understand. I know Mike's spitting the venom. Right like, now. why should why should we give them the benefit of the doubt? Why? What 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 word? What reason should we ever give them the benefit of the doubt? They haven't proved it. We thought Spygate was it. Then what happens? We find out they're deflating footballs. We're against the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, I don't know. Then they're breaking their phones. What what benefit of the doubt should I give? They were down 28 to 3 at halftime against Atlanta. They're like, oh wow, they came back. W- really? They probably cheated. People are like, oh, well, you have no proof. Well, well you know what? I don't know, know. We're going to get into the games in a little more detail in a little while. And, you know, I wanted to mention, not for nothing, but the game was over. An interception was thrown by Brady and a Kansas City 
Chiefs defensive linemen lined up offsides. I mean, these are things that when a team can run the ball one yard with the best running back in the league in the Super Bowl, but they decide to throw it from the one-yard line, throw an interception, and lose the Super Bowl, things happen sometimes with the Patriots that separate from all the things Mike just mentioned. It almost doesn't add up or make sense. can't be in the position for one play to change your, your the outcome of the game. A team like the Saints should have had the game in control and not even allowed a bad call to, do, to, to, to subvert them, right? So it is what it is. Rams, it's Rams-Patriots. One of the things they're talking about, Keith, is adding, a, they don't want to do replays on the pass interference calls, but what they did say, and I thought this was a good point, add another ref, but a skybox ref who's like looking at technology at all times, right? So that if there is a play like that and some of the refs on the field miss it from the skybox, they can look down and see and call that and radio down to the refs down and say, hey, this was a pass interference or this was a fumble. What, whatever and I thought that may be actually a solution going forward how to fix this yeah and maybe that would be a solution for calls that are borderline mm -hmm. in this situation someone could have been watching their first football game of their entire life watch that happen and say that doesn't seem like that was right that was wrong that was yeah. wrong that I'm was not like sure all the rules of the game but I mean so it is what it is Keith you know and it's unfortunate Andy Reid has not someone who has success in those big games with Kansas City and they did lose their best weapon Kareem Hunt um they had him first in the beginning of the season when they played against the Patriots and lost but they didn't have him in this game and having him in this game may have changed the outcome but you never know what team may have helped to make sure that that video got out there for all the media to see hockey huh, I know that that's the deep one of those deep state conspiracy <laughs> CIA level patriot situations that do we know how the video got out there? Are we aware where this came from? Has this information been leaked out to them to the to the masses yet? I don't know. Yeah. But but if you found out that in the Patriot underlings, right. and they're I mean, this is a team that had guys taking footballs, going in the bathroom and deflating them. <laughs> Yeah. Now, when we say that and we laugh about it, if you take, if we all, like, we all know what happened. Yeah. If we pause and take a step, take a step back for a second, you've been caught cheating multiple times. You send dudes in the bathroom with footballs. A little strange. Tom Brady's smashing phones at his house. Some, 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 some red flags out there for the Pats. Uh, so I mean, it's not a team you can necessarily say you'd be surprised if you found out they leaked this tape, Mike. It's not even in. I mean, they've done things so much more underhanded than that that that's nothing to the people. Right, and you know, what's what I thought was very interesting, uh, shifting over to our team, the Jets, is uh, you know, Sports Illustrated is reporting that Kareem Hunt will have a job sooner rather than later. Now, this is a very sticky subject that's going on right now because we have a very serious situation when it comes to domestic violence in our country, in our world. And you have a guy like Kareem Hunt, who's extremely talented, and his, monetarily he would be cheap to add. And the Jets right now are in a situation where most likely they're gonna end up paying a lot of money for Le'Veon Bell services. It seems that Le'Veon wants to play for the New York Jets. He's a fan of the New York Jets. Um, but you could make a case and say, look, paying a guy like Kareem Hunt, he's probably 
maybe not just as good, but very close and will provide value to the young quarterback. But then we have to ask ourselves a question. What type of message are we sending? Are we sending the message of, you know what, if a guy's good enough at his job, you know, it doesn't really matter what he does, in, uh, you know, to people and sending a message to other men, young men, that they may be able to go ahead and do things like that. I don't know uh, how to relay the message that would that the Jets would be trying to send if they would try to hire him or not hire him but what I will say is that I do believe in second chances I do believe people should have an ability to correct themselves in life I know that I am thankful that I, I know I've made mistakes and people have given me second chances does Kareem Hunt deserve a second chance? I honestly don't know. I don't know what he's done. I don't know what he's doing. But I do know if the Jets do decide to go down this road and add Kareem Hunt to our team, it cannot be just about football. It has to be that this is a message that he is working hard to bring attention to domestic violence, that he's working hard to bring uh, stability to his life and help him correct his anger issues and that the decision is a good decision not just for the Jets but a good decision for Kareem Hunt and a good decision for the public as well. Yeah and I just want to clarify for everybody out there listening that when Mike says he's made mistakes too he doesn't mean he attacked any females. Oh yes no no no. No no women got attacked at casinos by Mike that's not what he's saying. Um, It's other types of mistakes he was just making a broader point and I do understand Mike and I'm also the type of person that thinks people deserve a second chance. Obviously, we all make mistakes. Some mistakes people make are bigger than others. And the difference in life when you're an athlete or you're someone that's in the public eye is that you're kind of held to a higher standard, even though it's not necessarily fair. That's the case. If you're an athlete, um, some people that are, you know, actors, actresses, things like that, I mean, they could do certain things and it could ruin their career, where if they were an accountant or a garbage man or a policeman or a dentist, they, no one would really know about it because it's their personal life. But I'm not saying, um, I'm not giving uh, Kareem Hunt a pass because I think how the end of the season went down is how it probably should have been handled from a public relations standpoint for the NFL and most teams. They, they can't really have a guy like that on their team with the video that came out, you know, and the aggression that he showed and um, how angry he seemed and um, a few other stories bubbling up to the surface. Ray Rice, after that happens, I'm not surprised no team took Ray Rice back. Agreed. You know, um, it doesn't surprise me at all because it's, it's it's it was so I don't know I've never seen a video like that with an athlete or a celebrity or something strike a woman like that so I get it and it was handled the way it should have been and unfortunately for Ray Rice he never played football ever again you know that that's something you can't do obviously goes without saying whenever you get into it with domestic violence I mean it's kind of a no brainer for most men but it's still an issue in this situation also bad I'm just saying Mike say there's a spectrum I just don't think Kareem Hunt's situation looked to me as bad and I think that because of that next year and you already heard the Bears lay a bit, little bit of groundwork with uh, Nagy saying that he wouldn't you know he would not that he's saying he would have Hunt back but saying that he thinks everyone deserves a second chance I think he's going to play again next mm. year and if it's going to be in the Jets or not I don't know I haven't really thought too much about it Mike till you mentioned today before we did the podcast because New York's a different animal, right. you know, and it's a little different. There's, gonna, there's a lot of scrutiny in New York, and there's a lot of, you know, whatever, like, things you did in your past, you know, if you make one little mistake, 
a reporter's going to ask you about it. Can you, can you, you know, keep your temper under control when that happens? When you're in New York and you go out and about, if you go to clubs or you go anywhere in public to have fun with your friends or whatever you're doing that normal people do, you know, if you're going to be getting arrested in Cleveland, if you're going to be getting the issues out in Kansas City um, and hotels and different videos that have popped up, if you then take that type of aggression and that type of attitude and you come to New York... Like, people don't play in New York. Nah, I mean, Plexico you know, shot himself in the leg. I mean, it was all over the place. He ended up going to jail. No, I'm, I'm, I know I know that. What I mean, Mike, is <laughs> if you think that, like, you know, like, New York is New York, right? Yeah. It could be a little tense. There's maybe more opportunities for you to get into a back and forth with someone, yeah. right? Where we live, you know, you, you someone cuts you off. They look over. They don't know who Kareem Hunt is. Some taxi driver. He flips him the finger. You know, he, he keeps on. Like, that's New York for you. So my point is, you know, I don't know. It's not, for a lot of different reasons, it's not cut out for everybody in New York. And if you have any type of anger management problem, Right, I see what you You know, I don't know if the environment of the atmosphere is the best place to be. Agreed, agreed. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. That's a, a situation that we could keep our eye on uh, as free agency hits. And then another free agent that honestly has gotten a lot a lot a lot a lot of buzz he's not a free agent yet but he's somebody who is being talked about as being traded is antonio brown the quote unquote best receiver in the national football league he's refused to return repeated phone calls from his owner art rooney he has he skipped the final team meetings before the season ended, calls out his coach, calls out his quarterback. I mean, this is a guy who showed up to practice in a helicopter. This this is a guy who has a quarterback who throws him the ball more than any other you know superstar receiver would have a quality quarterback throwing them a their balls on a regular basis, and he's acting a fool. We're not sure exactly what the reason is. I have feelings like it's because Juju Smith-Schuster is coming of age. I'm not really sure, but if he's not listening to Mike Tomlin, if he's not listening to two-time Super Bowl winner Ben Roethlisberger, then why the hell would he come to the Jets and listen to young Sam Darnold? You know what I'm saying? No, that's a good point. And he, he has a big personality, Antonio Brown. I don't know, you know, he, he obviously, if you have Antonio Brown, you add him to the mix for Sam, I mean, that's that's game-changing stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. He's obviously your first guy. Yeah, I mean, He's that's, number one. however, <laughs> the baggage that comes with it, and, you know, he seems like he didn't used to be this way, Brown. But now, obviously, like a lot of wide receivers, he's a bit of a prima donna. And the way the season ended in Pittsburgh, very, very surprising how that was handled. And you don't know if there's more to meet the eye than what we're being told through the media and through the little reports that are leaking out. You almost think the Steelers are involved in those. It's so anti-Antonio Brown. But you have to think to yourself, you know, the Steelers had an issue with Le'Veon Bell. He didn't play the whole year. Now the Steelers have an issue with Antonio Brown. Is in all these situations, is it the player or is the common dominator, the Steelers' management and their decision-making? Why do they keep having issues? Like, when you have guys like Bell and Brown, right, who you always strive to get and aspire to get as management in the NFL, how is it both of them might end up not being on your team next year? Oh, I mean, don't they, they, they've always had that thing where they never renegotiated a contract until it was over or something like that, like, with anybody. And I'm like, well, all right. And then you, and then you go and you franchise Bell for two years. Yeah. 
That I can understand. I can understand he's he's, he's pissed off. I get I get Bell, but Brown the the, the Brown's not even about money. From after the game, all this yeah, stupid crap that true. he does. I'm like, yeah, you're you're great, but you know what? You're also 31 years old. Yeah. Like I mean, and guess what? Smith Schuster's right there. I don't know if you understand that yet, uh, Antonio. He's you when you were good. Like, really good and young. Well, Antonio Brown, I mean, you can't say he's not still really good. He no. most touchdowns in the league. He's probably no. the best receiver in the league. He, yeah. But he's not 23 like Juju. Right. And Juju and him had almost, almost identical amount of targets this year, which is two of the most targeted receivers in the NFL. Brown had 15 TDs. Juju had a couple hundred more yards. So, I don't know. You think his ego is that fragile that just because on his team... Another receiver's playing that. I mean, you know what? It wouldn't surprise That's me. what I... But that Keith, there's no other explanation for it. He's getting paid. He's getting the ball. Why is he... What's the problem? I think that Ben Roethlisberger is giving Juju more love than he wants him to give him. And he's got beef with him. And I, I really don't know what else to say about it. But I will say, I don't want this anywhere near my young quarterback. I don't want this anywhere near my young quarterback. I don't want a diva like this. A guy. I understand he's a great player. But right now... With the way we're building our locker room, I want to have guys in there that are team players and they're looking to be better as a team than oh, looking out for themselves, which is apparently what Antonio Brown is doing. I'd be surprised if they're trading him because when it comes to the salary cap, they still actually take a gigantic salary cap hit, even if he's not on their team next right. year, which seems counterproductive to trade him. It, the way I look at it, it's like this. If it was me, I'd say if I have to pay him anyway, and he doesn't want to play for us, and he's made that clear he doesn't want to play for us, and he wants to cause problems, which he kind of has the, for the last two or three years, like you said, uh, yeah. I'll do this. I'd say, okay, if I trade you to another team, I still pay about $20 million of the salary cap. It's, a, mm. it's around that range, which is one of the reasons they're kind of hamstrung here. So I would say, okay, you can just sit the whole season out. If I'm paying you anyway... I'll pay you not to be on some other team and beat me. Like, why, why would I do that? It doesn't make any sense. You can so, I mean, just sit on the bench. We'll you, give you, you, can your, do, you can just sit at home the whole year. You'll get a check every week. You can week, come you back know. when you're um, he's either 30 or 31, like you said. You yeah. can come back the next year. Yeah. And if I have to pay you anyway, I'm not going to pay you to play on some other team. No. That makes no sense. No. Unless they can trade him and get um, you know, some value. Different story. Some oh, actual value that you think this year is going to really help you. What's the point? Why would you even do it? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You're going to pay the guy anyway, so why not just pay him to sit on the bench if he doesn't want, you know, if he doesn't, you know, oh, that's, that would be the best route to go, I think, as well, because you're right. He's not getting the satisfaction, and you have to give him the money anyway, so why trade, you know, unless you can get something back, like you said, there's no reason to do that. Hey, you know what, here, sit down. I'll give you your whole check right now. <laughs> oh, hey, he can go sit on the bench in Pittsburgh. I don't want him on my team. Yeah, I agree with Mike. You know, Antonio Brown's game-changing talent. Say he ended up coming to the Jets. We'll all just adjust and be like, all right, well, we got this yeah. guy now. Right now, right. Sam is a pure, lily-white, beautiful <laughs> dove. They just got... We just unleashed out into the world. Okay, we can't and have anything what? come and taint him. No. We can't and, have and, our and, dove fly to some disgusting, pollution-filled city and have his beautiful white wings polluted and corroded. We can't have that happen. It's unfortunate that, you know, our new coach, Adam Gase, he decided to hire his longtime compadre, Doel Loggins, as the new offensive coordinator. 
he comes from uh, at Miami, and he also was there in Chicago. His track record doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in nine seasons as a coordinator or a QB's coach with Miami and Chicago, Cleveland, Tennessee. He never made the playoffs, never coached a top 14 offense, and never coached a top 15 quarterback in passer rating. So... I don't, it's funny how the Jets, you know, we had uh, Bates, Jeremy Bates, and now we got Gase, and, and it's so funny how we keep hiring offensive coordinators that had something to do with Jay Cutler, it's weird to me, but whatever. But this guy, I thought we missed an opportunity, because I thought, we got Gase, Gase is going to be running the offense, that's good. I thought that if he had, look at a guy like Freddie Kitchens over in, in Cleveland, right? He went and hired Todd Monken as his offensive coordinator. Now. Kitchens is, is an offensive coordinator already, or offensive mind already, but he gets Monken and they can go through the play sheet and bounce ideas off each other. And, you know, you get another guy in there that kind of, that knows what he's doing as well as you do. And, you know, maybe you guys challenge each other's and whatnot, become, think outside the box. I was thinking the Jets could maybe do the same thing, maybe go and get one of these guys in college who are bright young minds, new offensive schemes that they have, like if you could, a Cliff Kingsbury, you know, bring them on as OC and have him, you know, challenge Gase on certain plays and whatnot, bring some new ideas to the Jets. But he goes with his old boy, Loggins, and he did it before consistency, and this is the guy that will be... To, you know, working with our young quarterback. From my research that I've been doing on the old internet, hmm. what I have come across is that he was voted as the worst play caller in the NFL while he was in Chicago. Mm. That's no. a great endorsement. That, that's not a three. <laughs> Uh, he was, in, you know, That's he was wonderful. the guy who was the advocate for the Browns drafting Johnny Manziel, and was the actual guy Johnny Manziel was texting with the night wow. the Browns drafted him. This is, this is, Jabroni. This is a top-notch Jabroni. And now Adam Gase is going to be doing the play calling, and he's going to introduce his own system in. So you're wonder. I don't know how much of an influence he's going to have. I just know that when I was listening to CMB today on the fan in the afternoon, uh, Carlin said that he heard in coaching circles that they think this guy's a clown. An absolute clown. I mean, so look at his picture. And he said that on the air at WFN today in the middle of the day. So if, he, if he's going to say it to the millions of people listening to him, uh, you know, the thousands of people listening to us, like I'll just say it. He's a known jabroni behind closed doors. So as long as he's not calling plays, Mike, I'm not that disappointed. We've had another hire this week that we're a little bit more excited about, Mike. Why don't you tell people about that? Oh, Frank Pollock. Uh, this guy was the offensive line coach for the Cincinnati Bengals when he left. You know, a lot of times you want to see the pulse of the fan base, and they were upset that he left because they uh, really appreciated the work that he was doing with them. But where he's really known for was an assistant offensive line coach with the Dallas Cowboys when they were creating that offensive line, which is now known as one of the best offensive lines in the National Football League. He also has uh, experience with uh, let me, Oakland and Houston. So I thought this was a great hire, and I thought it was a great hire because developing offensive line talent is one of the hardest things to do in the National Football League. And given the state of our offensive line, having an experienced guy like this who has seen success, seen different ways of training offensive line talent, knowing that we may draft our future left tackle in this draft coming up possibly, or grabbing a guard in the third round. I thought this guy, because he's been around success, because he has that experience, was an excellent hire for the New York. Jets. Yeah, and he got himself hired as 
the head offensive line coach because of his work, like you said, Mike, with the Dallas Cowboys when they were really on... Their offensive line this year was really good, too. Last year and the year before, their offensive line was... That was like a monster move. They just threw dudes ah, around yeah. on the field. So they were I scary. Mean, and they were scary. And you know, I, I like to, to hear that he had some help in the um, progression of those guys is, is good. I know I know in Cincinnati their offensive line wasn't that bad. Um, and they had some injuries too, I know, this year on their offensive line. So um, a little bit to overcome. I know the fans were disappointed that he was it was let go. So one good hire, I think. One absolutely horrific hire. And I you know, I think Adam Gase is um, a home run compared to this other jabroni, comparatively speaking, Mike. But the staff is forming now. We got Greg Williams with the team. If you didn't listen last week, here's a little a little soundbite for you, Greg Williams. He got five f***ing yards on a nine-man front. I'm gonna kill him at halftime. Yeah, and the, you know we already have we already have a really good special teams coach, so everything's coming together here now. Now, what you look at? We have two weeks left in the season. Super Bowl is gonna be in a few weeks. Free agency will come into play. Oh, yeah. That is not area that Mike McCagan necessarily has excelled at. Uh, Tremaine Johnson, most recently this past year, we spent the most money on. Now, I don't think that was a bad signing when they signed him, Mike, because that was the best corner out there, and they gave him, the, you know, they, they right. gave him the money that a top corner would get. So, not a bad move, but he just maybe maybe didn't turn out to be as good as we thought this year. He played a little bit at the end of the year, Mike, I think maybe the last, um, the second half of the season, maybe not the last couple games, but the, you know, the middle of the year, almost to the end there, he played decently enough. I think Avery Williamson was pretty good, but a lot of the other signings the Jets have had free agency-wise, I mean, they really have not panned out with McCagney, So Well, yeah, well, you had Avery Williamson, like you said. We've had Henry Anderson, you know, unfortunately, Terrell Pryor didn't work out, but look, Mike Mc... The ball is in Mike McCagney's court now. He has $100 million, okay? We've got a free agency class coming up. We've got draft picks. It is now up to him. He has his coaches, the coaches that he wanted, defensive coach Greg Williams, who has had success with Jermaine Johnson in the past. He has Adam Gase, who's had success with quarterbacks in his mind, at least, McCagnin. So now he needs to go out there and get the goods. And I expect him to bring in talent and to make this team much, much better this year. So it's all on Mike right now, you know, with the free agency coming up. And he really has no excuses to have a team that is going to be competing for a playoffs position, in my opinion, next year. If we don't make the playoffs, I'm not saying we have to, but with all the money that you have and and the draft position that you have and the coaching staff that you have, you should be able to turn this team around. I mean, the Rams picked Jared Goff number one overall less than three years ago. The Philadelphia Eagles were in the Super Bowl, you know, by, and they were picking high in the draft, you know. So the teams have shown that they can go ahead and turn things around pretty quickly if they do it the right way. So, Mr. McCagnin, balls in your court, buddy. And the one thing he's actually done okay with, Mike, and that's this is one area that... I think is probably his strong suit so far has been trades. So Henry Anderson was a trade. That wasn't that bad. That ended up working out pretty good because, you know, he was a third-round pick. Um, we ended up getting for a seventh-round pick, and he, he played pretty good in the 3-4 scheme with a 4-3 defense. We don't know if he's going to play as well, as, as Bennett mentioned to us last week and broke down for us. So I'll, I'm just so interested to see how this goes. We have so much money. We have a whole bunch of holes. And, you know, I mean, do you just fill them all right now this year, Mike? Do they take a step in the progression? Do they save some money for the year after with this better free agent? So, so many options for the Jets. So many different ways they can go. But before next year comes, you got to finish off this year. And there's two teams that are going to be playing in the Super Bowl, yep. the Rams 
and the Patriots. Now, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show. Mike got a little fired up. We had a hit pause. Mike yeah. went outside. He got some air. That was excellent. He took a breath. He had a drink. Now he's back. We're going to talk about the Rams game with the Saints. We're going to talk about the Pats game with the Chiefs real quick. We're not going to get into too much detail, guys. not a Jet game, but I'll um, just touch on it real quick. The AFC and NFC Championship Games for 2019. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. All right, everybody. We know the teams in the Super Bowl. We know the controversy. We talked about it a little bit before. I'm in the annals of... The USA versus Russia 1972 Olympic game, Jeffrey Mayer home run game, Colorado I think versus Missouri when they gave them five downs once <laughs> back right. in back in back in the day and they ran it for a touchdown. There's plenty of horrible calls. Michael Jordan, for the rest of my life, I will say, pushed Brian Russell and pushed him, pushed off, hit a J versus Utah. Where's the push off, ref? Every single Nick fan remembers. Every day for members. Besides the point, everyone. But the two games this weekend, Mike, a lot of drama. It's the reason why the NFL it never fails to deliver when it comes to drama and just suspense in the games. And the way the game started off with the Saints and the Rams seemed like the Saints were going to run away with it early. And, you know, the Saints played great. Uh, Drew, Brees, Drew Brees had a great game, as he usually does. I, one of the turning points early in the game was when the, the Rams uh, went for a fake punt. Yeah. Flung the ball with Hecker. I was like, are you kidding me? If they don't get that. Oh, my God. And 21 nothing. I mean, it's a wrap. The game's over at that point. Yeah. But yeah. what a game. You know, back and forth. I think in the second half, God really threw some great passes in this game. Showed you how good a quarterback he is. As Mike mentioned, Gurley really didn't play a big role in this game. He only had four carries for 10 yards. Yeah, Cedric was in it. And they had Cedric the Entertainer in there. He had 16 carries for 44 yards. Neither of them was really able to run the ball. Receiving-wise, Brandon Cooks had seven catches for 107 yards. Reynolds for the Rams. Josh Reynolds, he had some of the biggest catches of the game. Tremendous game by him, and it just the, as good as the game was, it doesn't make a difference because it all comes down to the end of the game and that crazy, horrible call that I still can't believe. And, you know, to, to have that call go the way that it did against you and have the rest of the game unfold the way that it did, it can be traumatizing as a fan. Now, they've already won a Super Bowl with Drew Brees, I get it, but that's tough because in the biggest moment, in one of the biggest games you could possibly play in, to get in the Super Bowl and a chance to be the champion of the NFL, an absolutely ridiculously obvious call goes uncalled. 99.9% chance if they do call it, and why I'm saying that, even if they got the ball there at the one or the two, right. you could fumble a snap. Mm-hmm. We've seen teams fumble the ball at the one yard line a million times. So it doesn't mean the game was over, but it means maybe they could have run the clock to the field goal with no time how, on the clock. Plenty of ways it could have gone. How many How many seconds roll off the clock? How many, 40 seconds. Know how many? 40 seconds. Okay. So when it was a two-minute warning on first and 10 from the Ram, LA Ram 13, and that ball, they had the ball with one minute and 55 seconds left, why is Sean Payton calling a pass play to Michael Thomas? If he had run the ball there, they would have timeout. Then he would have run the ball again, they would have done another timeout. And then they wouldn't have had any more timeouts. And then they could have run then they could have run the ball and it would have been a one minute and forty seconds left. They could have run the clock all the way down to the one minute mark, kicked a field goal, they would have got the ball back with fifty-five seconds left kicked it all the way back, no timeouts, and 
to let them score, get into field goal range within, and give them 55 seconds to get into field goal range. Why was that not an option that um, Sean Payton decided to go to? Why is he throwing it on first down within the two minute after the two minute warning? Can you explain that to me? Well, when you talk about philosophy, and I'll let Wookie get into it. We didn't mention. You know what we didn't mention, Mike, last week. Before we get into what you just mentioned, the accolades, <laughs> the sporting accolades of the man behind the glass, the Wookie. Oh, no. Were you not a Titan at Marist? Did you know, not play at a top level football? Are you gonna Are you gonna mess around with us now? No, no. Did you not coach Youth of America? Did. I definitely did. Yeah. Okay, so when it comes yeah. to X's and O's, if you were in that situation. Would you have played it slightly more conservative, knowing where the ball was, knowing that you have a pretty good kicker, you're indoors, you don't really probably have to worry about him missing a field goal, or do you think Sean Payton, that's the way he coaches, you got to stick by what you do and not alter what you do in that situation, Wookie? What do you think? <laughs> I think it's uh, Sean Payton being Sean Payton, the coach. Like it, it, like what you just mentioned towards the end of that. When you get into a uh, like a habit uh, or or a certain a certain way you like things run. In tense, in the tenses of situations, you you go back to what you know is going to work. So, Breeze is slinging the ball all over the place. Peyton's a coach that says, you know what, it's working. We're going to go with whatever's working. That's why I think he, he threw the ball there. Mike, you, you're absolutely right. He wastes as much clock as possible. If I'm the guy, if I'm the coach, but again, if he had done that, then that whole play that that we're talking about wouldn't have even existed. See, I, I just feel like. I understand that the Saints got robbed, and they did. I my heart goes out to them. Look, it happens to us every single year. There's something that happens with the Jets, right? But what I'm what I'm trying to say is, is that yo, you have no excuses, son. You were in your building with no Todd Gurley to face. You shouldn't have been in that situation. You should have handled business, and you should be in the Super Bowl. And for that, and honestly, I blame a lot of this loss on Sean Payton's coaching style. To be honest with you, you know what? And you might be right, but the thing is this. If they make the right calls, the referee, then his coaching style has them in the Super Bowl right now. You're right. So even though I understand what you mean, and even though maybe because of his coaching style, they should have been a header in a different position there, or they wouldn't even have been in this situation they got themselves into at the end there, passing the ball, going for it, if they would have played it slightly differently. Truth of the matter is that if the refs get the call right, I don't think anybody's questioning Sean Payton's coaching style. He'll be in the second Super Bowl with a chance to whoop the Patriots. And I, I do think they have, if they were in there, they'd have a really good chance to beat the Patriots. And speaking of the evil empire, they're in the Super Bowl once again. The New England Patriots. They went on the road. We're able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The amount of variables played into this game, the three different reviews that went to the refs that all went the Patriots way. The pa- roughing the passer call that no one touched Tom Brady. Yeah. Okay, you're, that, that was that was a little bit interesting. Um, the call with Edelman when he fumbled the ball and they ran it for a touchdown and they show replays from different angles and it's kind of inconclusive. Also went the Patriots way. So I'm just that's just five things off the top of my head. The law of averages says they can't all go one way. Oh no, they can't keep it. They, but, all but, the breaks can't go their but, way. But they did though. Yeah. And you know, and separate from that, they're a really good team. But it, it just seemed like another one of those situations where um, I thought the Chiefs were the better team, but the Pats found a way to win. The end of the game, Tom Brady throws an interception. The game's over. Yeah. Tom Brady had that, one touchdown. That, two- that interception. That interception. You know that they said D Ford was was lined up in the neutral zone. If you go and look at the left tackle, the left tackle was lined up actually in the backfield. It, it, the way it was weird how they had set up, 
but like D Ford was a little bit up, but also the the left tackle was also very very far back, and you could have called a penalty on that too. I saw that report. So a lot of times there, you know, uh, coaches, I mean, uh, refs won't, wouldn't would just let it play because they just lined up kind of weird. Tom Brady threw an interception, and then a late flag came out and said what it said. It is what it is. Look. I'm t I, again, I told you guys, I'm so sick and tired of just talking about this team and Patriots and, and all this BS. You know, they're in the Super Bowl again. Congratulations. You know what? Like I said, you're illegitimate in my eyes. Okay, and you know, two, two other things I want to mention, and I want to get Mike fired up. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the Pats are in the Super Bowl again, but a line judge, very often, if a player is lined up egregiously offsides on defense, they'll tell the player. Yeah, mm -hmm. and if, I've yeah. heard that a million times. Bart Scott mentioned yeah. that. In this situation, <laughs> that didn't happen, I guess, of course, right? Also, Mike, the NFL spies have audio of a ref telling Tom Brady that, what was it, Mike, that, that I got, don't worry, I got your back? Yep. And I believe that was after the, the the phantom roughing the passer call. It's just, it's just tough. Don't you worry, Tommy. We got you. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough that, uh... Look, it's ending. Even if they win another Super Bowl, they're going. Look, Tom Brady is going to have to retire soon. Soon, one or these later, he's going to stop cheating, and they're going to. This is going away soon. So I, you know what? Good. Just get out of here. We don't well, care. I mean, Tom Brady. I mean, he saved Bill Belichick's job, man. Yeah. You know, yeah, Bill Belichick was with the Browns and was a whatever coach, <laughs> and he came to the Pats and was a whatever coach with Drew Bledsoe, and Tom Brady came in and saved his job. He's the best quarterback of all time, and then. Separate from that, when you also give yourself a competitive advantage in the past like they have, no wonder they win so much. I don't know what happened this weekend. I don't think it had anything to do with cheating. No, it's mind-boggling that... Oh, there we go, Wookie. Very good job with the music there. It's mind-boggling that a team can have plays occur, Mike, that have never happened in the history of the NFL. The tuck rule. The tuck. That every other time in the history of football went one way. But in that game, didn't. Mind-boggling that... A team can ha play another team. The game's over. They're at the one-yard line. All you got to do is run the ball. You have the best running back in the league. But you throw it. Mm -hmm. And there's an interception. You lose. Yeah. Or another team's up 28-3. to And you get to the second half. And they decide to continue throwing the ball. Not run the clock out. And just do what most NFL teams would do. And try to suck the life out of a team. Or even you go to this year. Where every single break goes a team's way. And then even though that all happened. An interception happens. Hallelujah. Oh my God, the game's over. But no. No. Defensive offsides. Mike. It really is the NFL Twilight Zone. ABG fans, we'll get into the Super Bowl and everything has to do with the Super Bowl next week. You'll have Mike's pick, Keith's pick, the Wookiee's pick, anyone else we might have. If Bennett wants to jump on, he can give us his pick as well. The whole may, have a may have a special guest. Um, Some fun things coming up. This is another... Tremendous episode in the books oh, of yeah. the AEBG podcast. Thanks everybody for listening, uh, getting at us, tweeting at us, telling everyone about us. All of them has been able to grow and grow and grow as the years gone on. Even now in the off season, which is which is great and great to see, Mike. I just want to thank everybody for sticking with us. And if they do want to get at us, Mike, on social media in any way, shape, or form, let them know where they could do that. Well, everybody knows we're on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. Please follow us at Facebook at aebg.jetsradio on Twitter at aebg underscore nyj podcast and on Instagram at jet.aebg. You heard the man. That's Mike. I'm Keith. We got the Wookie behind the glass. Thank you everybody for listening. Peace out. Are you ready?
can't win. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff Andrew. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Don't believe it.